Next on BYU Sports Nation, the news about the BYU quarterbacks that would be good this summer. John Beck finds his guy and weighs in. What matchup from the 2018 football season would you swap out for a winnable game? There are a few of those. Plus my 12 parsec movie review of Solo. Great line. Spoiler free and why Jason is Solo on his opinion of it. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. Come on in. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, May 30th. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is reading all of the college football magazines, so I'm teamed up with a man who likes solo more than Rogue One, Jason Shepard. It's not even close. Honestly, it's not close. Rogue One was an average at best movie. Oh, my God. Average at best. It's going to be a great show because I'm angry one minute so and 11 seconds I into this. <laughs> loved that movie. Loved it. And you and I went together. My, my therapist says to breathe deeply when I'm upset. So. Let me explain. Let me let me just explain <laughs> what what the uh, the situation was yesterday. Okay. Jerem and I, yep. uh, taking advantage of the Tuesday ticket prices in Utah, five bucks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Rodeo. we go in the the uh, the luxury recliners. Yes. Which was nice. Yes. Uh, there was me with uh, with my drink that I that I brought. Mm-hmm. Then Jerem comes in about 10 minutes later, uh, right as the movie is about to start. Completely missed all the previews, which mm-hmm. may have been calculated. Sure, I don't know. Online, whatever. Uh, comes in with a big tray of his, his mug refilled, uh, a solo tin filled with popcorn, mm-hmm. and a pizza. It took him some time to cook the pizza. But I just, it was just odd that you had so much food and I had no food. I offered you some popcorn. You said no. No, you did not offer me popcorn. Yes, I did. You offered me to buy your popcorn. No, I said, would you like some popcorn? You said no. And I said, okay, if you want some, go buy your own. Yes, exactly. After you did me. It was all a setup to take a jab (laughs) at me. Yes, and then I'll come with an uppercut, baby. I'm going to set you up. (laughs) Loved it. Great movie. Loved it. My 12-second movie review. Your 12 what? Parsec uh, movie review coming up. Plus a little what's the chance, okay? It's, it's loaded. John Beck's on the show. We got all kinds of things to talk about. So let's do it. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, if you're new to the program, I think BYU football schedule's too tough, okay? I don't see what I don't see what the point is <laughs> of scheduling to win six to eight games. You've got to schedule to win ten, in my opinion. You also need to be good enough to win ten, right? Okay, so we asked the following question. What one 2018 game would you remove from the schedule and replace with a likely winnable game, Jason? All right, this for me boils down to really only two because I, I think in order to do this and do this right, you're taking away a game that you just don't think there's any chance of winning. And there are probably two of those on That's, the schedule, and, right? and those, Yes, there are two that I look at yeah. and like it's just going to be very difficult. That is Wisconsin and Washington. I'm going to go with the game in Seattle against the Huskies. And as I mentioned, you could pick either this or Wisconsin because th- those, are two, those are the two toughest games on the schedule. Clearly. Take one of your toughest games off, put a winnable game on that, could dramatically change the outlook of the, of the season. Even if, it's just, even if it's just adding 
one win. Now, in my opinion, this will, would not affect bowl eligibility since I think they're going to be bowl eligible as is with no changes. But let's say you have seven. And with this schedule, seven wins, you're feeling pretty good as is. If you can bump that up to eight, you're feeling really good about this season, especially coming off last year's four and nine. So that's probably where I will go. You could pick either Wisconsin or Washington. I'm taking the Huskies. This is a very May 30th topic because this ain't happened, but it's fun to talk about. To me, it's Wisconsin for the same logic, but I do think that if you take off a Wisconsin or a Washington and you put in a, a likely winnable game, who knows if you actually win it, that all of a sudden you might – I'm not as nervous about making a bowl game. Like right now, I'm like, okay, BYU is going to go to a bowl game, but I, I think it's going to be close. Like I think if BYU goes to a bowl game, it's six wins or seven wins. If you take off one of these games, it's like, okay, you got a shot at eight. To me, the the minimum amount of wins for a team to be a good team in college football is eight. I don't think you can be good if you have fewer than eight. So I say Wisconsin. I keep Washington on because the fans in the Northwest will flock to that game. I've been at a BYU-Washington game there. There are tons of fans in the Northwest, and I wouldn't want to take away that game from them. And Wisconsin, BYU's been there, done that. Like, it happened uh, in what, 80 and 2013? So there have been, you know, two chances in the last generation or two to go see the Cougs <laughs> at Camp Randall. So I take out Wisconsin, another top 10 team. I keep on the top five team potentially in Washington. Speaking of Camp Randall, uh, I've actually I was able to attend the last yes. time. It was unbelievable. The fourth quarter jump was awesome. Yes. The place was shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was awesome. It was great. In fact, I may, in honor of this discussion, I may tweet out the video I still have on my phone of that moment, and you can actually see the phone kind of bouncing a little bit because it's shaking so much. It's great. All right, the quarterback position at BYU, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. It's kind of a big deal. And really the only thing we know for sure right now is that the coaches believe they have talent at that position and that they're going to let the players battle for the starting position. That, that's what we know. Jerem, what would be the best news that you could hear about the BYU quarterback position before fall camp begins? Okay, two thoughts. One, that we know the three that are battling for the job. Aaron Roderick told us that going into fall camp, it's going to be a three-man race. How is that going to happen? Like, that, they need to whittle it down to three. Five guys can't compete for the starting job. This just in. Like, there's not enough reps to go around, and you're going to dilute the product a.k.a. the reps for the quarterbacks, to the point where no one is becoming better. So the best thing to me could be that BYU announces that Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson will redshirt. Then it's a three-man race, okay? I think if that happened, that that would be a good thing at the beginning of fall camp. Now, I don't know that that would be good from Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson's perspective. I think they want a shot. But these guys are a little green, given that you have a a senior, a junior, and a sophomore who have started – two, three, and 21 games in Hodge, Critchlow, and Mangum. Those are the best things that, in my opinion, could happen. Because five dudes ain't really competing for the starting spot. That's unrealistic. The best news, in my opinion, that you could hear prior to the season starting is that someone has established themselves as the clear starter and that they're going to be getting the majority of the reps. For a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned in terms of diluting you know, if you've got four or five guys that are out there and they're trying to get reps for everybody, you know, it's taking guys that, that in reality are not going to be the starter are taking reps away from guys who have a chance. 
And you don't want to do that. So for me, the best news would be that there is a guy that has established himself, whether it be through spring and then the offseason, that's like, hey, this is the guy. This is the guy that we've pinpointed as the one that's going to give us the best chance to be successful this year. Therefore, we are going to put all of our effort in making sure this guy is ready. Now, that doesn't mean that the backup's not going to get some time. Yeah, and the backup a yes, little and, bit. Yes. Yeah. But so, so that, in my opinion, is the best case scenario that you would hear before. A, a 1A would be that everybody's healthy. And that through it, the summer? Through the summer. That everybody yeah. is healthy and that sure. it is a level playing field from a health standpoint. I'll tell you where it is in a level playing field. How green or not these guys are. Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson can play, dude. And they are yeah. the future. But I don't know if they're the present. Conan? Because, yes, in the year 2000. They'll name this. Tanner Mangum has 21 career starts, but he stunk last year. How much of redemption... Can he have a shot at getting? I think he's got a legit shot to be the starter. Bo Hodge, concussions, issues, very athletic, showed some bright spots, not a lot of volume there. Joe Critchlow started three games, played pretty well against UNLV, did have a 200-yard rusher, lost at home against UMass, didn't play well against Hawaii, but BYU overall as a team, played well against a bad team. Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall are really good players, but I don't know if right now is the time for those guys, I think it's Mangum, Hodge, or Critchlow, and we'll see what happens. Okay, it's another day, and that means another dollar, and it's another countdown. Countdown to the Wildcats! 94 days! Chipping away, still in the 90s, I'm all in, okay? Some of the great number 94s in BYU history. Chris Smith, tight end, unbelievable. Tight Emmer, one of his favorite targets. And then uh, Vince Fayula, defensive line. Vince has been uh, around the program recently. So a few 94s. So, okay, another news. BYU has an unknown offense. Arizona doesn't know what's showing up in Tucson on September 1st. This is perceived by the staff and many to be an advantage. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't have film, right, on a Jeff Grimes-led offense because that's never happened. So, Jason, how do you quantify the potential advantage of the unknown for the BYU offense against the Wildcats? I, I, I don't know if there is a way to quantify it. it it's... Because it, I'm not sure at this point still BYU knows what they have. They, they still, at least publicly, are not saying that they know who the quarterback is going to be. I, I, I think right now there's... I don't are, think they know privately. Well, yeah. I, I just, we just and don't Mangum know. wasn't healthy. Yeah, no, we, we just don't know. So I, I don't know if there's a way... Look, it sounds great, and I can understand it with first season and you know if there's if you're taking an offense and then making some tweaks things like that where you would say okay well the fact that it's the first game and maybe we can throw in some wrinkles that they don't know about the the fact that Arizona doesn't know much about the the offense I, I'm not sure in a first game it, it matters that much because first game is more about you than than the opponent you, you're trying to figure out who you are in a first game I, I just don't know if it's that much of an advantage either way it's, especially when BYU doesn't know right now what they have. I don't buy into it being an advantage at all. Story time. Bronco Mendenhall in 2011 said that BYU knew what Texas in week two was going to do Mm -hmm. based on their spring game being on TV. BYU lost the game. Who cares if you know what they're going to do if you lost the game? BYU scored 16 points. Scored three in the second half. Lost 17-16. That was a disappointing loss. That was a uh, young Jake Heaps, that was a young Ross Apple. Like That team could have had a nice win on the road. Later, Taysom Hill takes care of business twice. It doesn't matter if you don't know what you have. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, Arizona has a new head coach in Kevin Sumlin, 
and BYU doesn't know what they're doing either. It's going to be hard to win a road game against a Power 5 team to open a season. However, I think BYU can do it. But I don't think it's this huge advantage because of the unknown and no film and blah, blah, blah. you got to show up and you got to play. And in season openers, unless you have an NFL uh, draft pick quarterback and the Doak Walker Award winner and you score 70 against Tulane, typically it's been a game in the teens. That's probably what's going to happen here for the BYU offense. So hopefully the defense can hold Khalil Tate and the Wildcats down. That's what it comes down to for me. How about this early, what's the chance? What's the chance BYU scores 70 against Arizona? 0. 0. <laughs> 0.0. Oh, my goodness. 70? If there's a Doak Walker Award winner. It was an awesome game, by the way. And an NFL quarterback in the backfield, if that's your backfield, you got a good chance. Zach, and you're playing Tulane. Zach Katoa will win the Doak Walker. No. <laughs> <laughs> Really? And, wow. And any of the quarterbacks will play in the NFL. At cold takes. Just edit that to that sentence. <laughs> Yesterday, BYU baseball outfielder Kyle Dean tweeted out that he has been asked not to return to the team next season. Dean played in 24 games this past year, starting 18. He hit 242 with a home run and 12 RBI. And Coach Littlewood joined us actually a few weeks ago and, and told us that changes were coming. You know, I think it's time to make some changes, and you have to get guys out that don't really want to be here, that take it for granted, that just want to put on the uniform and, and look, like, hey, look at me, I'm I've got a uniform on. You got to have guys that really want to that really want to compete. And uh, I just like last night, I just used the term "refuse to lose." I mean, that just you'll do anything not to lose, and and whether that's sitting on the bench cheering on your team, or whether, whether that's batting third and playing shortstop, you know, whatever your role is. Your role is to, to help this team win, and, and uh, right now I just don't think we have, and you've been around um, us a bunch, I just don't think we have 35 guys that want to do that right now. We have a bunch, but we, not, not all 35. What was your reaction to the news of Kyle Dean leaving the program? Sounds like Mike Littlewood thinks he's one of those guys that needs to be out of the program. And is Kyle Dean alone? I would imagine there could potentially be others in this conversation. He wants a certain kind of clubhouse. And best of luck to Kyle Dean wherever he goes. When he signed here, we, we made a big deal on this show about Kyle signing here, and it was a huge get for BYU. Unfortunately, in Mike Littlewood's eyes, it hasn't worked out to the degree he wanted. So uh, ultimately, you got to get a clubhouse that – is cohesive and works, and apparently Mike Littlewood is making the changes that he sees fit for that. I I was not surprised by the news. Um, And just like we heard Coach Littlewood talk about, you knew changes were coming. So, you know, when you look just specifically at Kyle's situation, he was not playing a lot. So when you're talking about changes – you know, it wasn't surprising that Kyle was a part of that. He's a great guy. I have absolutely loved getting to know him and be around him. I, like you said, I wish him nothing but the best. But, you know, the coaches, they're not going to – they're in the business of finding the best players that they believe will lead them to success. So if they don't believe that a certain player helps them with that, then it's their right, and they've earned the right to say it's time that we move on. That's clearly what they believe this situation is all about. And, you know, like I said, they believe this is best for everybody involved, and I think they've earned the, uh, the right to be able to say that. This is one of the most high-profile situations of a high-ranking recruit mm-hmm. being released or asked to leave or whatever. It's one thing when kind of a, a – a player who hasn't played as much uh, is asked to leave. And that's happened, like, say, on the men's basketball team with 
with certain guys over the years, but this is this is uh, interesting. He's cleaning house, trying to get the guys he wants in here. So best of luck to Kyle Dean. Absolutely. Great, uh, uh, great wherever guy. Wherever he goes. Great guy. Our question of the day. What would be the best news you could hear about the BYU quarterback position before fall camp begins? Okay. So that's, what, 60-ish days from now? Let's get to the voice of the nation. What do you think? This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Jeff Olson weighs in on Facebook. No relation to Ben that we know of. That Taysom Hill was granted another year of eligibility. Could you do that after having, even if you get eligibility? I mean, you you've already been a pro for a year. He's kidding. But I mean, let's let's look at the the logistics of this. Lighten up, Francis. I mean, That's, he's not serious. Come on, joke. Jeffrey. It's a joke. Come on. Uh, on Twitter at Golf Course Guru, is this Ben Bagley's burner account? I think so. Possibly. It might be Spencer. Who knows? <laughs> Says uh, that Tanner Mangum is 100% healthy and the new offense unleashes his talent. Now, Tanner Mangum told me after the spring game that in a few weeks he would be 100%. So as of now, unless he had a setback, Tanner Mangum should be 100%. Mm-hmm. Was he 100% during the season? Was, is him being 100%, you know, that's the best news for him. Hopefully he can be the 2015-ish version of himself. Weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on our question of the day more from the voice of the nation. That's you coming up. Speaking of coming up, what is the chance that Solo is better than Rogue One? <sighs> oh, I'm really going to enjoy this one. Jeremy and I discussed that in just 12 parsecs. 14. What? 12. And next, we find our guy. John Beck weighs in on the BYU quarterback summer situation. This is BYU Sports Nation. On Marley, but they have someone behind him. They have to go to the end zone. Final play of the game, barring a penalty. All the time in the world for Beck. Can anybody get open for him? He'll roll right. Let's it go. Finds his guy. Touchdown. Johnny. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is Friday, June 22nd on BYU TV and BYU Radio. There will be the annual State of the Program, a two-hour BYU Sports Nation, plus a special on Cougars in the NFL. Tune in Friday, June 22nd. I know you will. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can weigh in on our question of the day, which is this. What would be the best news you could hear about the BYU quarterback position before fall camp begins? At Art Director BYU on Twitter. I think it was Tom Landry who originally said, if you have four quarterbacks, you have negative three quarterbacks. <laughs> I would love for them to pick one sooner, but imagine they will keep that quiet for competitive reasons. And like we talked about, they're probably going to wait until they see what they can do in fall camp. I have, I have not heard that quote from Tom Landry. I thought as if you have two, you have none. That's the only one I've ever heard. Yeah. Did, did he have a top hat on or off when he said Always that? Always with Always the hat on. on. Even Always. when he slept, I think. Yeah. A guy who played in the NFL and uh, a guy who's been around for a while and has been on the program, and welcome back, is John Beck on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. John, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so your day gig is... Uh, is coaching quarterback. So what are you up to right now, and how many beaches are you hanging out on? Oh, I, I just got back from the beach. I just got back from Cabo, if that's your question. But, yeah, this is what <laughs> I do. I did take a little break from quarterbacks for about four days and spend some time with the family. But, yeah, it's 
this is what I do every day. It's just the quarterbacks, they fly in from all over the country, um, or we have our local guys. <clears throat> when the NFL offseason ends, uh, excuse me, like org- organized team activities ends, they'll all come back in uh, at different times, or we'll travel to them. So, yeah, quarterbacking basically all day long is what I do, and it's great. I, I get to stay around the game, and I get to be coaching the position that I love, and I get, I get to be around some of the absolute best at the highest level. So, it's great. I'm always learning, always uh, pushing the younger guys and also pushing the guys that are already considered some of the best in the NFL to be even better. So it's a lot of fun. Do you want to be a team's quarterback coach at some point? Oh, no. No, that that job is, uh, you know, maybe when I'm my kids are out of the house or something like that, I've thought about getting back into, you know, team coaching. Um, but for right now, I just have a lot of fun with my boys and being involved in their lives and their sports and when you're a, a coach on a team, you have to sacrifice a lot of that family time. And I did a lot of that when I was playing in the NFL because uh, I was chasing that dream. But now it's, you know, I just, I really enjoy being a part of my kids' uh, athletic events and practices and all that. So, no, this fits me perfect right now because it allows me the freedom in the evenings to be around my boys and my family. John, as the quarterback whisperer, BYU's situation at quarterback it's an interesting one. There are several guys that will be uh, vying for that starting job. Uh, nobody has been announced at this point. Do you believe it's necessary to have a clear number one quarterback going into fall camp? Oh, you know, I think there are benefits to it um, because I think when you know who the guy is going to be, it allows the team to know and it allows the chemistry to build with that guy. Uh, it allows that person a sure footing in his role where – then he's a little bit more apt to feeling like he can take risks. He can step outside of his comfort zone at times to grow and develop, knowing I don't have to peek over my shoulder. I'm the guy, thick or thin. You know, if I make a mistake early in a game, I don't have to wonder, is the coach going to pull me out? And having that established in the summer, everybody else gets to look at that the same way. All the other guys on the team, all the other receivers, the offense, it just it builds. Now, there are there are cases where you don't know who your guy is going to be, and you have to go into a fall camp, and there has to be a competition, and a lot of teams have to go through that process. And I've seen teams come out on a good end of that because they create competition. Somebody meets the challenge. Somebody steps up. The team senses it, feels it, builds around that guy. And what I think is best is if those two guys that are in the competition have experience. I think if you have quarterbacks that are inexperienced in a competition, you are taking away from the growth and development of each one of them because if one guy's a clear-cut starter, you get to give him all of the reps with the ones. But if you have two inexperienced guys, you're trying to build experience and create chemistry with the ones, and that's really hard to do simultaneously. Former BYU and NFL quarterback John Beck is on BYU Sports Nation. So let's talk about how that works with BYU's situation this summer because you have the – Potential incumbent in Tanner Mangum, who started the majority, obviously, of 2015 and then last year before getting injured. Yeah, Bo Hodge, who started two games and uh, physically is kind of a, a unique guy on the staff. Joe Critchlow started the last three. So how do you think that works during the summer where these guys are trying to lead the team? And then you have other guys, like you said, haven't played yet but want to be in the mix. So how do the voluntary workouts work out when you don't have a number one quarterback? Who's leading that? Well, I'm sure each one of them in their own mind says, this is going to be my year, I'm going to be the guy, and they're trying to take the reins and step up. Which, you know, that part's healthy because each guy, when he goes to bed at night, knows 
hey, if I want to be the guy, I need to be maximizing my days. I need to be putting in time in the film room, putting in time on the field. So I think that part's healthy, that all these guys are competing. Somebody doesn't just get to be comfortable and, you know, maybe slack a little bit in the summer, but they're all going to push themselves. The tough part is, is are there, you know, are people separating a little bit? Is, is one quarterback grabbing two or three wideouts and going back in the evenings and throwing extra? Because if that quarterback's building chemistry with those guys, but then he doesn't end up being the starter, what happens when those receivers then all of a sudden become entrenched with the starter? And then that guy's telling them things just a little bit different based off of what he likes. So those are the things that can happen. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but I'm saying that that can happen. So with each guy having some starts, I think it creates maybe in the summer a little bit of a curious situation of, well, how is it going to play out when all of a sudden are certain guys have an allegiance to a certain, allegiance to a certain quarterback? Is there- but I think it goes back to, hey, the way I look at it is, Tanner Mangum is going into his senior year. Uh, I don't know what the coaching staff is going to do, but if I was the coach, I would say, look, here's the guy with the most experience. If this guy can win the job, this is probably better for us because of all the experience that he's going to have going into it. And not that they're leaning towards wanting Tanner to have the job, but I would just say from all the things that I've experienced in my football time, having a guy with more experience, it's a benefit to have him at the helm because of all of the factors and situations that can come up in a game, experience always helps. But that being said, it sounds like they're going to open it up to the younger guys as well, and then it's the best man wins. That actually is a perfect lead into something we actually discussed yesterday on the show, and it was about Tanner Mangum. What do you think Tanner needs to do to regain favor as the BYU quarterback? Well, I think it starts with Tanner. Um, I try to tell this to quarterbacks that I've seen that have gone through difficult situations, and I've just, I say this because of some of the things that I experienced in the NFL. You know, when you go play in a really difficult situation and ideal things don't happen and you're constantly fighting this, like, you know, players are rotating everywhere around you. You're shuffling the lineup. You're, you know, you got a guy one week, you think you're going into a game with a guy, and all of a sudden he's not ready to go yet. You don't have him, and you're not 100% healthy, and, you know, you're kind of, the, the, the offense is changing week to week based on the personnel, and you're trying to get comfortable, but you just can't. That's a really hard situation to play in. And a lot of guys walk away from situations like that with what, you know, scars, like essentially. And you kind of have to treat those a little bit like an injury. You know, if somebody gets injured, you can't just say, oh, well, you're good tomorrow, right? There has to be a time where you have to work that, work through that injury. It has to come back. You got to get it back to full health. And I think the same thing happens with quarterbacks when they experience rough seasons you got to step away and you have to sit there and work on yourself and all the things that you just went through because scars can happen chad pennington used to say this all the time when he would see some young quarterback burst onto the scene in the nfl he would say that's great that's great that that guy's having a great season but i want to see how that guy plays three to four years from now when he's had to deal with a bunch of scars he's like the true test of a quarterback is how can a guy play after he's been scarred here or there from the NFL. And I think that happens in college football, and I think Tanner had a little bit of that. I think Tanner has what it takes, but some of the scenarios were just not ideal, and he had to play in a lot of difficult situations with things shuffling around him, and a lot of people outside were probably saying, well, what happened to Tanner Mangum? Why did this? Why did it seem like he regressed? Well, here's what I'm saying is he experienced a situation that can produce scars, and you have to battle through those, and then you have to heal. So I think this year for Tanner, it's about going inside of himself, 
working on some of the things so when he steps back out on the field this year, he can be his best self. And he doesn't have to carry around this weight on his shoulders that he thinks he has to. He needs to be able to drop it all, move on. It's a whole new year. You just move forward, and I think that's what he needs. And if I had a chance to talk to him, that's exactly what I'd say. Say, Tanner, look, buddy, a lot of guys go through that. Like, don't judge yourself because last year was crazy. Like, it was crazy for everybody. Ty Detmer thought he was going to be able to come back to BYU and coach there for a long time. He's our Heisman Trophy guy, and he's not even there anymore. Like, sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you think, and sometimes you can get these little scars from it, and you've got to work through them, but you've got to be able to just put off, go forward using everything that you can, and all the great player that's inside you needs to come out on the field. We're talking with John Beck. Put on your scuba gear. He's going deep on BYU Sports Nation. Give us an idea of what it's like to be on a team that underachieves, like the 0-4 team. You're 5-6. and six. You didn't make a bowl game. You wanted to. It was a tough schedule. This team similarly has kind of that 4-9, uh, and nine, like worst season in 50 years, all this stuff, right? So in 0-5, you go 6-6, six and six, but you get back to a bowl game. You took a step forward. That's the hope for this season. So what did you guys do in that offseason that maybe this team could do to get back to a bowl game? Well, I remember that offseason because it was new coaching staff, new offense. Uh, okay, every job is up for grabs. Like, I remember at the end of the year banquet, I was awarded the offensive player of the year. But at the same time, the job was open for competition because of the new coaching staff. So I remember when I got the award, I just, like, tossed it in a bag like a box. Like, I don't care about this thing. Like, look, look, like, look what's happening. I'm not even the quarterback right now. I'm, I'm back in a battle. Uh and I think that what has to happen is you just have to sit there and just put your nose to the grind. And every single day, say, I'm going to get a little bit better. I have to find a way to get better today. And when you're learning a new offense, you've got to put the time in. You've got to put time in the film room. You've got to walk out on the field. I can remember going out on the field just by myself and imagining a defense, imagining a new offense, and just walking through the plays based off of what I saw the Texas Tech quarterbacks doing. And, you know, Coach Dolman was giving me things that, okay, but well, we're going to do it this way. We're going to tweak this a little bit and trying to visualize it. Like, you just got to put in those moments, and it's called deep practice. It's when you're doing things by yourself without anybody else there, and you're figuring the things out that you got to figure out to become a better player. I think those are things that need to happen. And I, I look back on that 05 season. We lost in overtime to TCU, overtime to Utah. We lost to a San Diego State team we never should have. I mean, that could have easily been a nine, maybe a ten-win season just a few plays here or there. And, you know, the work that you put in in the offseason, it's so a six-win season can be an eight- or nine-win season instead. That's what that hard work is for. All right, John, last thing before we let you go. Bowl game, yes or no for BYU this season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's six wins, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a for sure. I think you look at the schedule, yeah, there's games that, you know, we're going to walk in as the underdog. The opening game, you know, we're going to walk in the underdog of the Washington game, the Wisconsin game. I'm sure they're going to do the same for the Boise game, but I think the Boise game should be a game that the guys feel like they can win. I mean, I love the mentality of I, I don't care who we're playing, I think we're going to win. Um, I think that players got to have that mentality. you got to walk in there saying, fine, make us a 14-point underdog, make us a 17-point underdog, and we're, we're going to go out there and try to steal this thing. But I think there's those toss-up games that you know people might say, all right, this is a toss-up. I think you got to go out there and battle through some of those toss-ups and steal a couple of those, and the games that you're supposed to win – you should win. I think that's the mark of a really good football team is when you're playing in a game and you should go out there and you should beat your opponent and you should uh, have successful plays, get in the end zone and beat them, you do it. And you don't stumble and you don't have a game where you don't show up and, you know, you, you walk out there and you be consistent in those games. And I think if BYU does that, I think they should for sure go to a bowl game.
John, we appreciate the insight. Tremendous stuff. It was way better than anything Dennis Pitta could give us. So thank you. <laughs> I know. You know, sometimes, Dennis, I'm surprised you guys even bring him on the show. It's Me just, too. It's mediocre at best. Yeah. Thanks, John. All right. <laughs> Uh, it's way better than Dennis. Uh, thanks to John Beck for joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. It's interesting because John has been in this situation of sorts. It wasn't 4-9, but it was 5-6. and six. It was back-to-back losing seasons. Actually, it was three in a row, the third. He wasn't in all three, but he was a part of the, the third losing season in a row. And then he goes into 05, and like you said, a new staff, although there's a new offensive staff. So there's some similarities to this. And he kind of represents Tanner Mangum or vice versa in this situation. The thing that uh, really stood out to me was something he said right at the beginning of the interview. And he was talking about how naming a starter now, or at least ahead of fall camp, not only helps the, the overall situation because everybody knows who it is, but he talked about it, it there will always be pressure being the starting quarterback. But he said it, it takes some of the pressure off to know that the, the staff believes in you. And so maybe you're able to take a few more risks. But this without, ain't happening. But without, without looking over your shoulder. It was, yeah. it was an interesting take. Yeah, It's that, a nice idea. It's not happening. No, I, I agree. But I, I, thought that, I thought that was an interesting point that I'm not sure gets talked about enough. That when you, when you know you have the, the confidence from the coaches that you're the guy – you, you can, in a way, relax a little bit more and, and maybe play a little more free without looking over your shoulder and being afraid that if you make a mistake, they're going to pull you. If Tanner Mangum had been healthy in spring, like if, if he hadn't suffered an Achilles tear, would that have changed things in spring? Would BYU have named a starter out of spring? As you recall, after John Beck graduated in the spring of 07, there was a quarterback battle between Max Hall, Cade Cooper, and Brendan Gaskins. Max Hall was named the starter two days after the spring game, and Cade Cooper transferred. Uh, perhaps BYU's trying to keep everybody, or actually I think what they're doing is they just don't know yet. Right. They need more time. They need to give Tanner Mangum a shot. They can't name Bo Hodge the starter because he hasn't been better than Joe Critchlow, apparently, and Tanner Mangum needs a shot. Zach Wilson in the mix there, and then Jaron Hall was still on his mission. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this shapes up. Yeah, this was a, l- a little primer about this discussion because coming up, what is the chance BYU announces a starting quarterback prior to the beginning of fall camp? We will talk about it even more. And what news is good quarterback news? Flex your voice muscles with today's question of the day on the internet. Plus, my 12 parsec movie review of Solo. I've got a good feeling about this. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision, live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere. Let's check out some of today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Kyle Dean of the baseball team announced he isn't invited back for the season next year. He specified that this decision was not honor code related and that he wishes to continue his baseball career elsewhere. We talked about kind of our reaction to that, and kind of May 18th, Mike Littlewood saying that this might have been coming for some guys. Yeah, good luck to uh, Kyle Dean wherever he lands. Staying with baseball, Adam Law went 3-4 for four with a run scored and an RBI in the Tacoma Rainiers 4-3 to three loss to the Las Vegas 51s. That was Law's first RBI at the AAA level. Very nice. Maverick Buffalo pitched seven innings, giving up one earned run en route to his Class A Midwest League-leading seventh win of the season. 
last year, his rookie year, and this season, uh, 12-2 and two overall, 2.55 ERA. Maverick Buffo is crushing it without having to stack any hats in the minors. <laughs> this guy is going to move up the Toronto Blue Jays system. He'll be in AA this year. Very quickly. In a couple months. Yes, and I could not be happier for one Maverick Buffo, who we always said we were going to go to the gym and work out together. Never happened. It's like, like, is he the same guy at the end of the year? Like, hey, call, call me. Let's hang out during the summer. It's like, <laughs> you never called me. No, no, that, that was actually, not. It just never actually happened. We will always talk about it during the season. He you're had a, other things going on. You're a hag's liar. <laughs> How about this? We're about to go four headlines all baseball. How about that? I am loving it. Colton Shaver, two for four with a solo shot in the Quad Cities River Bandits. Four to two win over the Clinton Lumber Kings. Shaver has six home runs on the year, crushing it, literally. Very nice. And the Lumber Kings are the Mariners affiliate, by the way. Really? Okay, so we went to uh, the movie Solo, a Star Wars story, yesterday. And uh, when, we, when I go to a movie um, that I want you to know I saw, uh, <laughs> I share a movie review. What movie have you seen that you don't want anybody to know about? I don't, no, I don't know. I don't know. You won't know either. Uh, so it's time for my 12-second movie review. Start the clock. In Star Wars Second Standalone Story, Disney delivers a B-plus. It's fun. It's simple. It doesn't further the Han Solo story much. And I wasn't convinced that Alden Ehrenreich was Han. But Donald Glover as Lando was awesome. And Chewie punches it. Okay, on a scale of Jake Keeps to Jimmer for Dead, Solo, a Star Wars story, is John Walsh. Pretty good. Not one of the greats. Had its moments. But when you think about it, you go, yeah, there were some good moments there. It was good. I enjoyed it. Now, you enjoyed it more than I did. Yes, clearly. Like a lot. I, like a lot. I really liked it. And that was a spoiler-free review. You should go watch it. Yes. Like, everyone should go see this movie. Yeah, this, it's this, fun. Honestly, this is one of those ones that I believe you, you need to go in and experience it for yourself. I, I don't— We saw it IMAX, and it was IMAX, awesome, luxury dude. recliners. We were in the lap of luxury. It was, it was nice. We were in a Power 5 theater, basically. Yes. Yeah, and, and you had the so- you should have brought the solo uh, popcorn tin in. I don't know if we have rights to show that. We're afraid, I think, of the Oh, that's actually a great point. Yeah. Don't bring the solo popcorn tin in. Yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> I truly loved the movie. Good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just gave it to John Walsh, though, so that tells you what I think of it. Yeah. In terms of the, the, the one-offs... Uh, of the Star Wars, so so a Rogue One and then Solo, it's it's like Solo here, Rogue One here, I, like below the desk. I can't even show it. Yeah, I think I've angered him. We may not talk for the rest of the afternoon. Thank you. If I had a Wookiee friend, they might pull your arm off. Like I'm just really. You calling me a Gundar? <laughs> I don't. That's a thing in Star Wars, I think, right? Stop it. You know yes. the reference. I, I guess. Please, please. Our question of the day. What do you think of Jason's re- – <laughs> what would be the best news you could hear about the BYU quarterback position before fall camp begins? Let's hear from you, nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Let's flex on the gram. Braxton Duncan weighs in. We have a quarterback that's 100% healthy and ready to go all season. That would be good, right? Chances are the backup starts a game. Remember, we've done the yes. research. 40%, 40% of the time of the games in Independence, a backup is, has started 
based on the game one starter in a season. 40%. Most of that is Taysom Hill getting hurt. But there were times where other guys played. Namely, last year, you started th- three different quarterbacks. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, just history will say you need to have a backup quarterback ready to go. Yes. Uh, from uh, at uh, FanLitFan on Twitter, uh, the best news would be that Tanner is back and throwing like he did as a freshman, not the mechanics he had last year. Give us the gunslinger with three years of experience and let him roll. Do you remember what it felt like when Tanner Mangum came in against Nebraska, ran for 11 yards while Taysom Hill, like, put his shoe back on or something. Then he came back in later and his first throw is 11 yards to Devon Blackman and he throws Hail Mary and Boise State and it was just like, this kid is ready for the moment. Maybe he needs to get a bigger helmet. Maybe speaking that's of, the key. Speaking of Star Wars, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> he could be Lord Helmet. He needs, a, he needs not that big of a helmet, but you get the point. I get the point. Nice, uh, nice pull. <laughs> okay, continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. More of your responses coming up. Coming up, we've got percentages. We will give them to you in regards to questions we will ask. It is called, What's the Chance? We will play that coming up. And next, what's the chance Jason thinks Solo is actually better than Rogue One? He already told us, but I'm going to tease it anyways. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day is coming up Friday, June 27th. 22nd, you can catch it on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We will have the annual state of the program. There will be a two-hour BYU Sports Nation plus a special on Cougars in the National Football League. Make sure you tune in. That's Friday, June 22nd. Jeremy and Jason live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. If you missed the show at noon Eastern, we're always on again at 6 Eastern on BYU TV. Our question of the day, what would be the best news you could hear about the BYU QB position before fall camp begins? Uh, on Instagram from DB underscore Nelson 22. That Cougar Nation will support and encourage whoever it is and not over-under hype him until he gets the chance to prove himself. This is BYU. We hype up stuff. Yeah, there's zero That's chance. That's how it works. First of all, nothing is ever under-hyped. Ever. <laughs> it's- I'm under-hyping this season a bit by saying, like, eh, I don't I, BYU's going to make it. No, well, you're right. None of us are saying BYU's not making a bowl game. Listen, yeah, listen, look, I, I get where the I get where the the post is coming from, but uh, good luck f- with that. Hype is a four letter word we can say. You know what I mean? Like we can go there. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, weigh in. Okay, what's the chance we play? What's the chance? One hundred percent. BYU Sports Nation asks, "What's the chance?" Is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, number one. What's the chance BYU announces a starting quarterback before the beginning of fall camp? Zero percent. This ain't happening. They're going to play it out in fall camp. Uh, John Beck's idea of naming a starter early, that, that's a nice idea. He's not saying that BYU is going to do that. You have to see what Tanner Mangum can do. It's zero percent. Uh, I, I, you know what? I mean, I agree with you. I'll say one percent because – Just to top just me? Not to top you, but to <laughs> – Give myself an out in case they do. Like I'll say, I guess you'd be like one dollar, yeah, one dollar, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, so one percent, it, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, we certainly don't expect it to happen. Uh, I, I think that would be very unlikely at this point. They could name a starter and then change their mind. Yes, that could happen too. I don't think they're going to go down that road either. They're like, we're naming uh, Micah Simon the starter. You know what? There's so much yeah. being focused on this. They're they're not going to name a starter until they're ready to name the starter. I bet you they don't name a starter until the week of the game. I think it might take that long. Number two. 
What's the chance BYU wins two of the six games in the gauntlet? The gauntlet is the five power five games, Arizona, Cal, Washington, Wisconsin, Utah, plus Boise State. What do you think? Um, I, I'm going to say, I'll say 55%. Ooh, okay. 55 Look. Which two do you have? Uh, well, I think you split one of the first two. Okay. okay? You're going to split the two. It's not crazy to think that they could win both but you just assume you split and you know then you then you've got your chances against Boise State and then look the game against Utah at the very end of the I I understand it's in Salt Lake City I understand BYU has lost seven in a row I get all that but this is this is a different time to be playing this game every everybody's season has going to have happened by then both teams will have played a full year. Both teams are probably going to be beat up. That, that's not – it's not a guaranteed loss. It's just not. So, I mean, it's – I say 55%. 23.4%. Wow. I think your best shot to win two is the first two. Because Washington and Wisconsin, those would be amazing wins. I, I just don't see those as wins unless they surprise us. Boise State, there have been three games played with the Broncos uh, that have been decided by one. BYU's never beaten a Boise State team that ended up with 10 wins, and this is a team that's looking like it could do something special. So I'm not sure that's a win. We'll see. But BYU's been competitive there. You're right. Utah's an intriguing one, but I think the first two, that's when you got to get it. I'm hoping BYU wins two games. <laughs> I think one is realistic. Two would be nice. Number three. What's the chance Adam Law is called up to the majors this season? Okay, let's talk about this. Adam Law's been in double A. As an infielder, he's played third base, he's played second base, he's been versatile. Shortstop, he can do he can do whatever. He's playing second base, got called up to AAA, he's 8 for 12 in his first three games. Like, he's crushing it. The second base situation with the Mariners is this. Robinson Cano's out for, like, 70 more games. D. Gordon is now the second baseman. He was a uh, gold glover and uh, all-star two so years ago. Mariners talk right Andrew now. Romine uh, is in the mix there as well. And uh, Gordon Beckham. So they've got some guys. If Adam Locke continues to do what he's doing, he's got a shot. I go 21.9%. Look, you certainly know this system far If it was better. a Cardinals system guy, you would. Yes, then I, then I would know. I, like, yes. I, I am honestly, I'm completely guessing. But I will say, if, if Adam continues to play like this, he's going to be one of their better players in AAA. When they expand rosters, at the very least, you would think he would get a, sure. would get a call up. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll say 75%. When the Mariners have clinched. Uh, a spot in the playoffs for the first time since I won. That would be awesome. Last but not least, number four. And I hesitate to go here just because someplace Star Wars nerds everywhere are going to freak out. What's the chance Solo is actually better than Rogue One React? It's 100%. 100%. And if there's a chance to go 101, I'm doing it. It's better. It's not close. Rogue One, decent, not great. <sighs> It's 0%. I feel like you're in the minority in this, which is fine. That's fine. Which is fine. But Rogue One was so well done. I loved Rogue One. Like, Rogue One didn't have Jar Jar or any Ewoks. Neither it was did just this. a Star Wars movie, and it was awesome, okay? I really liked Solo. I give Rogue One an A. I liked Solo. I give it a B plus. Both good, but not the same. And the further away I get from Solo, the more I like it. And it's been a long time. It's been, it's like, been less than it's 24 been like, hours. <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs>
Let it sit in a little more. <laughs> Coming up, lots of good things happening for Cougars in the minor leagues. Find out who's having success next in the Cougar Whip Around. Plus, will we finally find a minute for Dennis Pitta? The answer is no. This is BYU Sports Nation. What's the Chance is brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guest, John Beck. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. I'm going to make time for Dennis one of these days. Just like, I'm not even going to tell you. If Spencer and I are gone, sure, go ahead. (laughs) If you missed any of today's show, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. I recommend specifically listening to the part where you and I argue about which movie was better, Solo or Rogue One. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Baseball. Kyle Dean announced he isn't invited back for next year's baseball season. He specified that the decision was not honor code related and that he wishes to continue his baseball career elsewhere. Cougars in the minors. In AAA, Adam Law, 3 for 4 with a run scored and an RBI, his first in AAA, and a Rainier's 4 3 loss to the Las Vegas 51s. Law is 8 for 12 in his first three games in AAA. Maverick Buffo, my, uh, my gym partner, even though we never worked out together, pitched seven innings. Gave up one earned run en route to his Class A Midwest League leading seventh win of Woo. the season. And Colton Shaver, two for four with a solo dinger in the Quad Cities River Bandits 4-2 win over the Clinton Lumber Kings in single A. Shaver has six homers on the year. Nice. Today's Rise and Shout is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. How about we give the Rise and Shout to Maverick Buffo? The former BYU pitcher. 7-1 and one this year. The hat stacker. Yes. All-around good guy. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. Our question of the day, what would be the best news you could hear about the BYU quarterback position before fall camp begins? The elite voice of the nation goes to at BYU Clark. Announcement, Taysom Hill successfully cloned himself and will have a copy available for BYU football this fall. Mm, you'll be available in the BYU store. <laughs> okay. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Right. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Lowell Madsen, BYU Sports Nation. Back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Rogue One, better than Solo.